0: Thank <laughs> you.
1: about to begin in prayer. Lord, we just say thank you for another Lord's Day. God, we just say thank you for waking us up this morning. Thank you, Lord, for giving us a mind to serve you, to come to you, to hear your voice, to hear what it is that you have for us today, Lord. We thank you, God, for everything that you have planned for us today. We thank you for the music. We thank you for the scriptures. We thank you for the sermon, Thank you, Lord for just filling us up, God. As you speak through Pastor Kelly today, speak to our hearts and move us, God. Help us to be not just hearers of the word, but doers of the word, God. And God, we ask you, God, as as we let the praises go up, Lord, we ask you to bless us. Bless us today. Bless us indeed, God, today, God. Bless our time. Bless our finances. Bless our talents, God. Bless our efforts to come and seek you out because we cannot go another day or another week or another year without you, Lord. We need you every single day of our lives, Lord. So we just thank you, Lord. We come to you and say thank you, God, for waking us up. Thank you, God, for just giving us the opportunity to give you praise. Giving you praise without any uh, anything holding us back, God, and we just say thank you, Lord, for Black History Month. This also, God, we just ask you just to fill us up, God. Let the words go out that need to be. Help us to be your hands and your feet uh, today, God, um, during worship service, Lord. We just ask for those that are still coming in. Bless them that are still coming in, those that are driving, those that are coming in online. God, we ask you to just remove distractions and draw your people. Call your church together now. Right now, not just here, God, but all over the world, Lord. We need to hear a word today in our world. We need your Holy Spirit to fill our lives, God. So fill us up today. Fill us up, Holy Spirit. As we begin our worship service, we ask you to bless this service in Jesus' mighty name. Amen, amen, and welcome, welcome, welcome everybody again to New Life at Calvary. We are so happy that you guys made it out for church today, and thank you all for coming online. We just want you to know that if you are a guest, you can fill out a guest card in the back. If you're online, you can uh, make a comment to mark your attendance, you can give us a like for your attendance. If you want to get in contact with us, go to NLAC.TV or go to our app. And then you can click on the about links, fill out a prayer card, and we will get back to you. Is anybody ready to give God some praise today? Is anybody ready for a word today? Hallelujah. So we invite you to stand wherever you are, whether you're at home or in service, and we're going to sing a traditional lift every voice and sing. (laughs) Thank <laughs> are so grateful. You have done more exceedingly abundantly, above and beyond, more than we can ask or think for us as a people and for a nation, God. And we ask you, Lord, to continue to just fill us, to continue to restore us as a nation, Lord, to help us to know that black history is important, God. Help us to know that we can move forward together and racial reconciliation. Lord, I want to pray today for those that are in prison. God, I am praying for those that need encouragement in you, those that don't have a will to live. Lord, I am praying for those that need a friend or need a counselor, but they don't know what to say. I just thank you, God, that you already know what's in their heart. You already know how to help your people. So we ask you, God, to send the right people out, God. As we go out this week, Lord, today to minister, Lord, and we ask you just to guide our steps. Give us the right words to help us to just let somebody be saved if they don't know you, Lord, and help them to be encouraged as we go out. We ask you to pray for our prison ministry, God, as a whole. Lord, I pray for the sick and the shut-in today, Lord. I am praying, Lord, for healing. Uh, thank you, Lord, for just uh, taking uh, uh, Mr. Cheeks out of the hospital this week, Lord. We are just praying, uh, Lord, for uh, Mary's daughter, Lord. To continually to keep her. I'm so glad that she was able to get to the doctor, the emergency room, Lord. And God, as we go along this week, Lord, any of us that might have an emergency, Lord, help us and guide our steps. Give the doctors and the nurses the wisdom to take care of us and heal us, because you know how um, how our bodies are formed. You know how what to heal us with. So we ask you guys, and we thank you in advance for healing. Thank you for your Son Jesus that died for your healing. By your stripes we are healed. We are well. We have an abundant life, and we claim that today, Lord. So we are continually in prayer for those that are in the hospital those that are sick and shut in. We just say thank you for bringing one of our people into church this morning. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! We ask you to continue to bring more of our sick and shut into church, God, and continue to encourage them right wherever they are, Lord. Um, Lord, I want to pray for our youth today, Lord. We just say thank you that you have them in the palm of your hands as well. We ask you to keep them as we know that the enemy has an assignment, um, not just for us, but our children, Lord. So we ask you, thank you, Lord, for the assignment that you have for our kids, God, to keep them in you, to keep them whole. Keep them looking toward Jesus Christ as their hope and their Savior and their friend, God. We just ask you to encourage them, Lord, wherever they are. Help them in their studies and help them to continue to grow and learn. And you you said, train up a child in the way they should go. And when they grow old, they won't depart from it. And that's what we are claiming today for our children today. Not just here at New Life in Calvary, but we are praying for Cleveland School District, Lord, as a whole, God. We are praying that you help them. Increase increase their learning, God, and help them to engage in school. And those that need, that need to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, Lord, we ask you to just come into the schools today. Because, you know, they're trying to take our prayer out of school. They're trying to take God out of school, but you're never going to leave us. You're never going to go where you can't keep us. So we just say thank you, Lord, you are keeping our children, Lord. We are praying for our ministry as a whole. We just say thank you for Pastor Kelly. Thank you, Lord, for putting me here as pastor. Thank you, Lord, for the lay pastors. Thank you, Lord, for the elders. Thank you, Lord, for our new appointed elders and our new appointed deacons. Hallelujah! We just say thank you for the new thing that you're doing today at New Life at Calvary today, God. Thank you for increasing our church, God. Thank you, Lord, for just opening up our hearts to serve Jesus Christ. New life in Calvary, where Jesus Christ is the main attraction, Lord. No gimmicks, just you, just Jesus Christ, God. Your healing, your love, and filling us up, Lord. We ask you just to continue to just help us to serve you. Help us to be a lighthouse on the corner of East 79th and Euclid Avenue, Lord. And God, we just ask you... As we go throughout our, ch- our our year, our planning, God, we pray for just everything we have planned for this year. We say thank you for restoration, Lord. Thank you for restoring our building. Thank you for restoring our gym. Thank you, Lord, for restoring our, our hope in you, our re- restoring our love in you, God, restoring our sanctuary inside, restoring the church inside and out, God. You put us here to do the work, so we just say thank you, Lord, that we can, we are willing and we are able to do the work, so we just say thank you, Lord, that your spirit is guiding us with the mission of the church, Lord. And in our lives this week, God, we pray as we go off to work, or as we go off to school, Lord, we ask you to bless us and guide us this week by your Holy Spirit, God. And we just say thank you in all these things. In Jesus' name we ask and pray. Amen. Amen.
2: Amen.
1: It is now time for our church purpose statement. So if you will please rise we will recite our church purpose statement together. In response to God's love, our purpose is to love others, teach the word of God, and reach the world for Christ. Therefore, as a covenant partner, I will invite others to come and join me in worship, I will be a part of a small group Bible fellowship to grow in Christ. I will serve in the ministry with my gifts and talents. I will do my part in faithfully giving my tithes and offerings to keep the ministry of Jesus Christ alive in the world. I will love all those who enter our doors and accept them in our midst.
0: Amen.
1: Amen. We are getting ready to have something special today, saints. We are about to have an ordination. Praise God.
3: Praise God. Thank you, Pastor Antonia. Hallelujah. It's good to see everyone in the house of the Lord today. We do have something very special in the life of the church where we're able to ordain and install our newly elected elders Sorry. No, my... There are different gifts, but it is the same Spirit who gives them. There are different ways of serving God, but it is the same Lord who is served. God works through men and women in different ways, but it is the same God who achieves his purpose in them all. Each one is given a gift by the Spirit to use it for the common good. Together we are the body of Christ and individually members of him. Though we have different gifts, together we are a ministry of reconciliation led by the risen Christ. We work and pray to make God's church useful in the world. And we call men and women to faith so that in the end, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Within our common ministry, some members are chosen for particular work as ministers of the word, ruling elders or deacons. In ordination, we recognize these special ministries, remembering that our Lord Jesus said, whoever among you wants to be be great must become the servant of all, and if they want to be the first among you, they must be the slave of all. All right. Elders and deacons, we have some questions of you all. Do you believe in one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? And do you boldly declare Jesus Christ as Savior and Savior? the scriptures of the Old and New Testament to be the Word of God and inspired by the Holy Spirit, the unique witness to Jesus Christ, and the authority for Christian faith and life. Will you receive, adopt, and be bound by the essential tenets of ego as a reliable exposition of what scripture teaches us to do and to believe, and will you be guided by them in your life and ministry? Relying on the Holy Spirit, do you humbly submit to God's call on your life, committing yourself to God's mission, and fulfilling your ministry in obedience to Jesus Christ under the authority of Scripture and guided by our confessions? Will you be governed by ego's polity and discipline, and will you be accountable to your fellow elders, deacons, and pastors as you lead? Do you promise to be faithful in maintaining the truth of the gospel and the peace? unity and purity of the church? Praise God. And will you pray for and seek to serve the people with energy, intelligence, imagination, and love? (laughs) This question is specifically this together. This is for the elders. Elder Hazel and Marvin, the elders. Is Helen? Ruby, praise God. Will you be faithful elders watching over the people in their worship, nurture, and service to God? And the deacons. Will you be a faithful deacon serving the people, urging concern, and directing the people's help to those in need?
1: Let us pray. Almighty God, in every age, you have chosen servants to lead your loyal people, and we thank you for these elders and deacons whom you have called to serve you. Give them special gifts to their work on your behalf. Fill them with the Holy Spirit, so that they may have the same mind that was in Be faithful and dedicated elders and deacons. Lord, we pray your anointing and blessing upon these your servants as they serve in this.
3: <laughs> do you believe in one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and do you boldly declare Jesus Christ as Savior, and Lord, and acknowledge Him Lord of all and head of the church? Do you believe the scriptures of the old and new And fulfilling your ministry in obedience to Jesus Christ under the authority of Scripture and guided by our confessions? Will you be governed by eco's polity and discipline? And will you be accountable to your fellow elders, deacons, and pastors as you lead? Do you promise to be faithful in maintaining the truth of the gospel and the peace, unity, and purity of the church? And last one, will you pray for it and seek to serve the people with energy? Intelligence, imagination, and love. Amen. (laughs) Praise God. You are. (laughs) Praise God. You are now all elders and deacons in the church and for this congregation. Whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. And the people of God said, Amen and amen, elders, and because if you can all extend to them the right hand of fellowship and welcome them in, praise God, or back in for some of them. Hallelujah! 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 You all will be able to meet and greet the elders and deacons on your care teams later on after service today, when you go out to meet them. And by the way, if you go out there and you don't see your name, just think about where your last name falls in the alphabet and fit yourself right on in. <laughs> Thanks. We will now be blessed by our scripture with our scripture reading by our duly ordained, deacon, Pat Townsend, praise God.
4: which right. is and drank his him, and David made him drunk. But in the evening, Uriah the went out to sleep.
3: Saints, can anyone tell me what time it is? It's offering time, and what do we say? Hallelujah! Praise God, it is so good to be able to give back to God in the form of our tithes and offerings, amen? Saints, here I go, saying it again. Can you believe it is the end of February already? We are at the end of the month. It is the fourth and last Sunday of February, and on the fourth Sunday, our special offering goes to support our Two Cents a Meal. Our Two Cents a Meal supports all of our food ministries that we have here at New Life at Calvary. It goes to support the local uh, folks that need to help with the food pantry, as well as the hot meal. So we are trying to feed our community that no one would be hungry. As our ushers uh, come forward today, let us prepare our hearts for prayer. Gracious and holy God, we thank you, Lord, that you are the great provider. We thank you, Lord, for allowing us here at New Life at Calvary to be able to provide food for others. We thank you for our food pantry and a hot meal. And every time, Lord, we're able to help and assist someone in some way, we pray, Holy Spirit, for every single person that you send, send our way. We pray, Holy Spirit, today for these tithes and offerings, that you would bless them and amplify and prosper, Lord, that you would use these mo- monies and donations to further your kingdom, Lord, to uplift and support and provide for your people. We thank you and we honor you. In the mighty and holy name of Jesus Christ, we pray. And all God's people said, Amen and amen. Praise God. For those of you that are joining us online, we have several easy ways for you to participate in the offering today. You can uh, go ahead and for those, there you go. (laughs) For those that are online, you can go to our nlac.tv and establish your online website giving account. For those that like to use cash app, go ahead and put the dollar sign, the number two nlac, and your offering comes right to us. For those that prefer to mail in or drop off your offering, our address is 2020 East 79th Street, Cleveland, Ohio 44103. That address again is 2020 East 79th Street, Cleveland, Ohio 44103. Thank you so much for participating in the offering. Saints, at this time, we will now be blessed with our Black History Moment by Rufus Sims, followed by his sister, Wayne Coates singing I Know Where I Have Been, and a dancer today, Kadira Gully. Morning, how's
5: everybody? day goes by, we're going to get reminded by somebody, somewhere, where we have been. But, you know, I'm a lawyer, so I'm going to talk about where have the folks, the the trailblazers in my profession been? What has happened along the way? Malcolm Boland Allen first African-American to practice law in the United States back in 1844, 17 years prior to the Civil War. Now, why is that important? Well, I should say this. There's good news and bad news with that, but I just said The good news is, hey, he practiced law, first one, made history fantastic. Bad news is he didn't have any clients. Okay? Alright? Black folks couldn't, couldn't pay. Him, and white people weren't going to him. So he said, well, you know what? What am I to do? So, he wasn't going to stay there or, or ride the segregated train from Maine, where he lived, to Massachusetts. So Malcolm Bolden Allen walked. Walked fifty miles from Maine to Massachusetts to set up his law practice. Now you might ask, well, why did he go to Massachusetts? Well, Massachusetts wasn't going to Mississippi, okay? He wasn't going down there, okay? It may not be a good idea, Pastor Rick, go down there. So he went to Massachusetts, where they were known to have strong abolitionists, the strong abolitionist movement let me digress for a second. Because we have to talk about slavery. And our our slavery, this country, was different than any other slavery. Because our slavery meant that we were what? We were chattel. And chattel means we were someone's property. And it also meant, in this country, you were going to be a slave for the rest of your life. We were slaves what's called, Pastor Rick, you know this term and clear, slaves into perpetuity. That meant, not only were you going to be a slave, your children were going to be a slave, their children were going to be a slave, and so on, their children. This, of course, created tension in the country, and the Civil War did manifest itself over slavery and over 600,000 people died during the Civil War era, soldiers. Back to my point about uh, the person, Mr. Allen, he formed, when he went to Massachusetts, he met, guess what, an abolitionist, and and helped him along the way meet two other attorneys formed the first black law firm in the United States in 1845. Okay, and in my office, I have a big picture of a man called John Brown. Now, you might ask, well, who is John Brown? Why is this white man on the wall in my office? Well, thank you for asking, Marvin. Well, not only was he an abolitionist and he fought slavery, he thought that slavery was a sin against God. And he, he, he said he would not live in a nation that could own slavery. He he would raid plantations to help free the slaves. He was caught. Not only was he caught and hung, both his sons were also caught and hung, fighting for our rights. So, again, uh, our first person to talk about this morning, Malcolm Bolin Alice. Next, we have the eminent, the eminent, Norman S. Minor. Norman S. Minor passed the bar in 1928. And, and, and the good news about Norman Minor, again, lawyer, the first African American prosecutor in, in Calgary County, prosecuted 5,000 cases. The bad news is he couldn't prosecute any white people, he could only prosecute us, okay? And Norman Minor was known. For never carrying a briefcase and never carrying, never making a note, through his entire career as a lawyer, all his information came from his brain. He was absolutely brilliant. And when he left the prosecutor's office in 1948, he started his own firm. Lawyers flocked to him, wanting to be under his tutelage. You might ask, when? What lawyers? Well. You ever hear of Carl Stokes? You ever hear of Lewis Stokes? You ever hear of Stanley Tolliver? Okay, just great lawyers. And what you might say, Wow, these. Why am I missing all these men? There's one moment I'm going to talk about in one minute. Get ready, don't just. coming. Okay, Norman Miner. As a matter of fact, the bar association which you function under now is named after him in his honor. The Norman S. Minor Bar Association. Is the largest black association of attorneys in the state of Ohio. And every year we give a annual Trailblazers Award. I did win one year and just it, it's flourishing now. And that's the banner which black lawyers function under in Kyle County. The enormous sign of our association. Next we have, here we go, Thurgood Marshall. Now, folks, I can't say enough about Durbin Marshall he's also in my wall, in my office. As a matter of fact, a judge gave me a bust of him and also put him in my office. Uh, and Thurgood Marshall is known for three things. Thurgood Marshall was a civil rights attorney and worked for the NAACP. He passed the bar, folks, in 1933. 1933. He was first in his class at uh, the Howard Law School and he uh, had a burning desire to set us free. Well, uh, the NAACP said, well, we have, we have a job for you, Thurgood, a great job. And he says, well, fine. Anything in Boston, New York, Cleveland, Detroit? No, Thurgood, you're going to Alabama and Mississippi.
2: Okay, uh, Thurgood, <coughs> Very much.
5: I can take that assignment. And as he traveled throughout the South, folks, he was known to stay in people's houses of clients he represented. And this is a fact. I researched this. Norman Minor, when he would go to a town deep in the south, and people may have found out he was in town. He dressed. You know how you go to bed at night, you get undressed pajamas, snow, and put on your pajamas, and all that go to bed. Norman Minor was fully dressed when he went to bed. He wore his suit. He wore his tie. He wore his shirt. He had his cufflinks on, his vest, his pants, his socks, his shoes. Only thing he didn't wear was his hat. Now, you might say, where would that term come from? Getting your hat or hatting up. It came from Thurgood Marshall going in the South and dressing that way because he knew the word got out where he was staying. Some of our sick white brothers may be coming to get him a visit. And he didn't have a chance to get dressed and look for his clothes. It was out the door, best you could run to the nearest street. And Thurgood Marshall became our, our first, our first associate justice of the United States Supreme Court. And he did that job from 1967 to 1991. And did us proud. And known for Known for overruling Plessy versus Ferguson, this Plessy versus Ferguson case, case in the 1896, Supreme Court ruled that black folks were going to be segregated. It was it was, it was constitutional to have separate but equal, I should say. If if it was separate and equal, Supreme Court says it was constitutional. Now we know, don't we? It's never been separate but equal. Uh, But Thurgood Marshall, uh, in 1954, sued over that issue. Uh, An eight-year-old girl named Linda Brown in Topeka, Kansas, was his client, went to the Supreme Court. And for the first time ever in the history of this country, the law meshed with psychology. Because Thurgood knows, I can't win on the law. They know it's illegal. I can't win on that. I have to prove how segregation affects black children. And he hired Dr. Kenneth Clark, who came in with the dials, all the experiments, and he argued for the Supreme Court that not only is segregation illegal, but it has a negative impact on black children. The Supreme Court agreed they ruled nine to nothing and overruled Plessy versus Ferguson and ordered the integration of public education in the United States. The Honorable Thurgood Marshall. And I can't say enough about Thurgood. Of course, you know who we have now in this place. He was replaced by Clarence Thomas. And because we're in church, I'm going to limit. I'm not going to say anything beyond that. But meet me at the lot, I can tell you about Clarence Thomas. What I feel about Clarence Thomas. But again, Thurgood Marshall, the epitome of our profession. Now why all these men Rufus? Delta stand to your feet. Deltas Delta stand to your feet Delta Sigma Theta stand to your feet Now divine <laughs> Enter the Honorable G. Moral Capris proud member of Delta Sigma Theta <laughs> Folks I knew G Roeke, okay, Okay. mean as a rattlesnake, okay, but boy, she was an incredible lawyer. Practiced law until she was 99 years old. She was the oldest lawyer practicing in the United States when she died at 104. Yes. Matter of fact, little joke among the lawyers downtown, you know, among the lawyers: the two things won't die: roaches and
2: Jean Merle Capers.
5: Okay. That's the little joke we had in the back room.
2: Okay. Yes, thank you. Yes, yes. Jean Merle Capers
5: died uh, again at, uh, uh, in 2011 and passed bar in 1938. And she was known for that red pillbox hat that she wore throughout the courthouse. The queen of the courthouse, and by, by the fact, most people don't know this, she was an expert champion tennis player. 1938 she won the Open Cleveland Tennis Championship in 1938 Jean Murrow Capers she was again being the first African-American female municipal court judge and the first assistant attorney general for the state of Ohio Jean Murrell Capers again, just again uh, she wasn't much on, uh, again, congeniality. She could not win a congeniality contest. But again, she was a great lawyer and an icon for women. And look at the women who came behind behind her. Stephanie Chuck Jones and, uh, you know, just incredible number of women coming behind her. And, you know, we, we talk about the journey and where we've come. Of course, I'm a lawyer. I'm so proud of my daughter now as a lawyer. Uh, not only is she a lawyer she's here today, not only a lawyer, a professor at the law school. Praise God. Praise God. Praise Kalita Sim. Kalina, I'm sorry. Kalita Jackson. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Pastor Rick, again a lawyer. And you know, folks, what do we see? I'm, I'm, I'm there. I'm there. I'm there. And what did we hear last week? Just last week. Our own Anna Soccer Room, second year law student, going to have a job in Congress and, and going to intern with one of the federal judges downtown. Our own, our own Anna Soccer Room. So, again, folks, when the question becomes uh, where have we come, uh, where have we come, uh, we've come a mighty long way in a very hostile environment in the profession. But again, God's been good. My mom would always say, boy, you go on now. God will make a way. And and, and God has, I'm so proud. God has done what he's done and uh, set us on a path uh, of righteousness. And uh, I'm so proud to be a member of the profession and fostering the ones who are yet to come. Praise God.
0: darkness, though the night See why I pray the answer of my head. Oh, yeah, because I know where I've been. There's a road. Struggle that we have yet to win.
4: But there's
0: pride
4: in our hearts
0: because I know.
4: There are struggles
0: that we have yet to win, but there's pride in my heart, cause I know
3: I think about all of us have called on you and Pastor Rick at <laughs> certain times to help us out with a legal matter, and and so we really thank you. And if you ever watch TV, you know Rufus always has some of the most difficult, challenging cases to deal with. So thank you for all your your hard work and your history making as well. Praise God! Tell your neighbor how you doing, neighbor tell your other neighbor happy black history sunday (laughs) it is so good to be a part of this month and i love this is one of my favorite sundays it's so exciting it's so good look look around look how good y'all look (laughs)
0: look how nice your outfits
3: are it's so good to see everyone dressed in their african garb and gear and so today we are starting a new sermon series, praise God. We just keep going through them, don't we, you all? And so we are going to be entering our Easter sermon series, and, and uh, Ruth has put the information in the bulletin. If you look over on that page, what, what does the title say? Yes, the greatest comeback, praise God. And our sermon today is called Betrayed for Me. And these lessons, these sermon series, will follow along with the Bible study that you all, if you get your Bible study lessons, they're out in the the fellowship hall out there, but they will follow along with our Easter sermon Bible study lessons. So let's take a moment to pray. Gracious and holy God, we thank you for this entire month, this Black History Month, Lord, to be able to reflect and think upon all the many ways you have seen us through. Thank you, Lord, for gathering us in worship. Thank you for every song, every prayer, every person, every heart. And as we continue to reflect upon you, help us to understand more deeply and to know you in a new way. Help shine a light into the dark areas of our hearts and minds. Lord, draw us closer to you and closer to each other. And we thank you and we honor you. In the mighty and holy name of Jesus Christ, we pray. And all God's people said, Amen and amen. So I just want to make sure to take a moment to say thank you to everyone for whatever way you participated in Ash Wednesday last week. We had a wonderful service here. It was a wonderful service over at Bridge. And even if you didn't get to go to one of the services and you looked online or you joined us online or you read the devotions or or you said a prayer, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for making that commitment, and we are praying that God will bless our efforts. Amen? So we are now officially in the season of Lent, that time that leads us up to Easter. And over these next seven weeks, say seven, including today, we are getting ready for the Easter or Resurrection Sunday. Are you all excited about Easter?
2: I know I am. I love Easter Sunday. Praise
3: God. So our sermon series again is called The Greatest Comeback. And very simply, I'm not going to even go around the bush. The Greatest Comeback is the title because simply Jesus had one of the greatest comeback stories of all time. Would you agree with me? They had counted him down and out, didn't they? They had him in that tomb and said he was dead and buried. But in reality, he was waiting to reveal that he was truly the victor. Jesus has a victory, amen? Jesus has a victory, and we get to say that every Sunday. Thank you all so much. I'm still dealing with that cough, y'all, so help me, help me, Lord. So we praise God that as, as we begin to reflect on today's message, I want to give us all two words. We already said the first one. Say this with me, come back. And betrayal. So what is a comeback?
2: Some being down, right?
3: Being down and out. Comeback means to return to a former position or condition, recovery, revival, or return to life. So what is betrayal? What would you say? Oh, somebody is crossed out. So you, or you got X'd out. What else? To lose someone's trust. Thank you, Jamal. Anybody else? What is betrayal? So the betrayal is defined as breaking or a violation, like breaking a contract, a trust, or a confidence. You know, I was reading a description, and since Jamal was up front with me, Jamal, come help me out. So this is Jamal, praise God.
2: <laughs>
3: Hold the jar. So this is our jar. Show everybody the jar. This is our jar of betrayal. It only has so many marbles in it, see? These, these marbles are our trust marbles. And so, you know, when we are born, we are born trusting people, right? But then as things happen, we lose our marbles.
2: We lose our mind, right?
3: So tell me, uh, sometime when you felt like you was betrayed and Jamal is going to come and take away some of the marbles, anybody can share a time when you were betrayed? It'd be something simple. You was just betrayed.
1: Just a little bit, what might have happened?
3: Forget y'all, y'all ain't gonna even get none of this cake. Boys, y'all ain't worth my time. Anybody else got a betrayal? Anybody else ever had a relationship and that guy told you you was the only one?
1: Come to find out, you
3: was one of many.
0: It was 100 year old Jamal. Did it happen to you, Jamal? Oh, not yet, okay.
3: Anybody else have a, a relationship? Well, I want to give you a marble. Did you have a teacher? Okay, Pearlie, raise your hand. Jamal to bring you a marble. <laughs> For a marble. What about um, a teacher? You thought that teacher had your back, and t- turn out that teacher keep giving you Fs every time you turn around. Anybody want a marble for the teacher? Are oh, you going to give yourself a marble? Okay, put it in your pocket.
0: Your <laughs> what about a
3: coach? I wish Terrence was here today. He would tell y'all this story about when his coach blackballed him, and he couldn't get on any team, any team. Anybody ever have a coach?
0: What else? What other
1: ways are we betrayed?
3: I oh got him up here. <laughs> Emotionally, physically, mentally, spiritually. How else are we? I got, we got all these marbles left. You, you all must not have been betrayed. we going to have a full jar. So many marbles left. Anybody else experience any type of betrayal?
5: A case in which all the evidence exonerated me. Defendant. Ooh. But the all white jury came back guilty. Oh.
3: Yes. You need a couple marbles on that. <laughs> <one>. <laughs> all them jurors. <laughs> when well, you worked hard on a project, anybody ever been lied on? Somebody told a like, Oh, get some look, pass out the marbles, Jamal. Anybody ever been lied on? Just like you felt stabbed in the back. <laughs> Why are you lying on me? Anyone ever felt like, you know, I didn't realize that betrayal comes in the
1: form of like sexual infidelity, cheating, having an affair,
3: but it can also be through disrespect. I didn't realize disrespect was a a form of betrayal. So when someone feels disrespected, they feel betrayed by you. Anybody ever felt disrespected? Oh, Lord, we ain't going to have no marbles left. now. <laughs> Pass out some more marbles, Jamal. So what about um, unfairness? I think Ruth has kind of said a little bit about that. The unfairness that we experience in life, especially as black people. When we can see one person get a promotion, and you know you got the education, the experience, all of those things, and they just got there. And they get the promotion. Do you feel betrayed? How many how are we looking on our marbles? The trust is running out. We're losing our sanity.
2: <laughs>
3: so hold the hold the marble jar up. So this jar represents all of our initial trust. And you can tell it has gone way down, right? So, can you imagine if you are the person that has almost lost all of your marbles, and now you're like young Jabal and he's lost all of his marbles, and now he got to get in a relationship with somebody, he got to get married to somebody, and his betrayal level—he don't—he don't got nothing left. He got to get into a relationship with somebody else, get in relationships with church folks get relationships with a fraternity, and he don't got much trust
0: left. What is he to do? <laughs> trust God. Trust God. Right.
3: Some of us have been so broken, and I'm not going to let Jamal do this, but imagine you was about to do it, Jamal, that you don't have no marbles left, and your jar is on the floor, crushed and stumped into little pieces. Anybody ever encountered a person like that? You know they don't have no trust. They have been betrayed so thoroughly. You feel like you've been
2: through that, you
3: Oh, you know somebody? So, so we need this. Oh, oh, wait, wait. oh,
1: you feel like you've been betrayed like that?
4: and everything, thank you, <laughs> that was going to match my culture. <laughs> 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 we had rehearsed and practiced ticket this particular show, and the show was going on, the show was doing good, and the bass player in the middle of the show just walked out. Wow. And we were just like, maybe he's going to the car, he's coming back. <laughs> but no, he walked out and kept on going. And we were so devastated. We were like, now what are we going to do? Right. But Carrie picked up the load. He played the bass on his one hand and the melody on the other hand. And we got through. And we were so, it was so gratifying that we just picked it up. And the people asked us to come back. <laughs> right. And they gave us even more money than we
3: did when Praise we got when God. We, It just worked Praise out. Really. God. But we were just devastated. We so was like, oh my God. And see, that's good that you brought that up, Gwen, because we are going to talk about what we do when we feel so betrayed. So betrayed and broken, and we don't have very many marbles left. Let's thank God for Thank you, Jabal. You, you can sit down. Thank you. Did anybody else know? Oh, oh. Come on, thank you. Come on Having God. said that,
4: uh, Gwen, I remember when I had my band, I had uh, I looked up when it was going, but anyway, I had hired some girls to sing, and we rehearsed and rehearsed and rehearsed. And the day for the show, they didn't show up. Wow! And the guy who owned it packed us up and told us, "See you later." Wow!
2: Yeah. They betrayed. They betrayed. <laughs>
3: wow! Thank how you, Gwen. many? Y'all, I forgot about that, Gwen. Thank how many of y'all in school you had those group projects? Remember? You had to work with somebody else and your grade was dependent on somebody. Look at Jasmine. Your grade was dependent on somebody else and they didn't want to do their part. Then you end up doing all the work and got an A and then they got an A. And you just wanted to go tell on them, right? (laughs) We have all experienced betrayal. Say that. I have experienced betrayal. relationships we all have relationships and betrayal occurs inside of relationships the only time you can experience betrayal is in a relationship most of us have heard the story that was read in scripture this morning praise God the story of David and Bathsheba right we're all familiar with the story of David and Bathsheba what did David do he cheated right David cheated with Bathsheba. Bathsheba got pregnant. He tried to get her husband Uriah to come home and sleep with her so that, you know, we can pretend the, the baby daddy is somebody else. Man, thank God we got those DNA tests now. No? <laughs> but he tried to set this up. And the story is always told from David's perspective. David always gets most of the story. But today I want us to think about Uriah. Just think about the story from Uriah's
1: perspective.
3: Uriah's scripture tells us was one of David's mighty men. He was one of the original 30 men who fought alongside of David. David was in need of these men because remember before David became King David, he was just David and he served King Saul. And King Saul was out to kill David, remember? And these mighty men helped to to save David's life and to install him as king. So he needed these men, right? Uriah's name actually means Yahweh, or God, is my light. He was brave. He was a hard worker. He was loyal. He was true. He loved David anyone ever been so dedicated to your job or your place of work or school and you are a hard worker you're loyal to the team you give your all that was Uriah Uriah was so focused on being a good soldier and a good leader he was the kind of person we all want on our team he trusted his king so can you imagine one day Uriah's Out on the battlefield, he gets a call from King David come home. I need to talk to you. He goes home and he has no clue what's happening. How do you think Uriah is feeling about the king? He's excited, isn't he? He's like, I'm going to see King David, my main man. He is so happy to see see the king. And he gets there, he's like, Hey, and they have food together, they eat together, they drink together, they spend time together. And King David the whole time is like, uh, how's your wife doing? <laughs> and your is like, "She good, but, but back to you, King David. And King David's like, well, why don't you go home and wash your feet? And see, wash your feet was the turn and meant, go home and sleep with your wife. He was like, no, my feet aren't, I'm good. <laughs> Couldn't get them home. Could not get them home. Uriah was so focused. I'm sure he was telling the king all about the battles. He was probably telling him, you know such and such did this out on the field, and we've been fighting and we've been winning. He was probably so pumped to tell David all of what they had been doing. And what was King David thinking about the whole time?
2: Trying to get him home to that
3: wife. There was another person that's mentioned in this story. You all may or may not have heard his name. His name was Joab. Joab was also in his mighty men of 30. And see, he knew what was up. He caught on real quick. He knew King David was up to something. But you see, Uriah was so innocent, so trusting, he never expected that the people that he loved and honored would betray him.
0: His jar was full, you all.
3: How many of us have been surprised that the people in our lives that we love and trust let us down. Our parents, the people above us, our leaders, our president, our vice president, everybody you can name, right? It's always a shock and we're like, I never expected you to do that to me. But they do it, right? Betrayal is a hard topic to talk about. It is one of the most difficult conversations to have. And why is it so hard to talk about? Because when we are betrayed, we are so hurt, and we are so angry, and we want to retaliate. We tired of talking. You about to hurt like I hurt, right? Betrayal happens in families, it happens in communities, it happens in neighborhoods, even in countries. Right now, that whole Ukraine war, do you think the Ukrainians feel a little betrayed by the Russians? Do you think the Russians feel betrayed by Ukraine? Everybody angry, right? Even in America. A lot of times when we talk about black history, what we fail to acknowledge is the betrayal. This group of people did something to this group of people And then the first group want to act like they didn't do nothing. Or some of them at least. Slavery is hard to talk about, isn't it? Jim Crow, redlining, the prison system.
1: No one wants to talk
3: about the fact that rules were put in place to cause harm to black people and other people of color, and including women. No one wants to talk about this stuff when you are betrayed when somebody hurts you don't you want to talk about it you go to your spouse look um you told me you was gonna do this but you did that and your spouse say well let's talk about that later and you're like well okay let's talk about it later then later comes and you say well let's talk about that conversation they're like no i don't want to talk about it it didn't happen like that how are you feeling what Your head is exploding, right? You never want to talk about what you did. You know what you did, right? All of us have said that. You know what you did, now you don't want to talk about it. You want to act like it didn't even happen. That is one of the hardest parts for me when we talk about what happened to black people is people want to act like it didn't happen. People want to ban books and get rid of stories like it didn't happen. I'm like, oh no, we're going to tell all the stories. We're going to keep talking about it, keep talking about it, and keep talking about it. Amen?
1: Why is
3: this story in the Bible? What does God want us to know about betrayal? It, It does happen, right? David wanted something, right? David wanted Bathsheba, and he was willing to do anything to get to Bathsheba. He didn't care about his soldiers. He didn't even care about his own family. He had wives. He wanted Bathsheba. He got what he wanted, which ultimately was sex, and then, oops, she was pregnant. I told y'all last week, sex is a hard topic to talk about, amen? And I know my husband is listening to this online.
1: Y'all know the one
3: word he heard me say last week? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I said, how you like my sermon, babe? He said, well, that part you were talking about, about sex. I said, oh, Lord, did you hear anything else I said? <laughs> Ultimately, sex can lead us down many bad paths, right? David went down this bad path, and he tried to trick Uriah. Come sleep with your wife so we can pretend like the baby is yours.
1: But Uriah is so faithful.
3: And he reminds David, he says, David, we're soldiers. We don't have sex until the battle is over. Because back in the day, soldiers would make a commitment to each other not to go home, not to sleep with their wives, not to sleep with anybody until the battle is over. That's right. (laughs) Daryl said, keep all that energy. (laughs) But David tried several times to to convince him, nope, Uriah is faithful. Have you ever been so committed to an idea, a job, and all you can see is that job or that goal that's right in front of you? I wish Uriah could have just for one second opened his mind and said,
0: why do you keep
3: asking me about my wife? What, what, what do you have going on? So David gets frustrated, and instead of, of just fessing up and admitting the truth, which would have been horrible, but he would have admitted the truth, he puts a whole nother plan in motion. He goes to get that guy Joab that I told y'all about.
1: And he tells Joab, I need you to
3: do something. I need you to make sure that when you guys go back to battle, you're going to make sure that Uriah is up front, right? But he didn't actually, I'm tell, I'm, I'm jumping ahead, y'all he did not go and actually get Joab. What he did was he wrote a nice note. Anybody was a note writer back in school? Y'all remember passing notes? I still remember Trinity asked me, what does it mean to pass a note? Because they text each other. But remember, back in the day, you would write your note, you would fold it up as tiny as you can get it, and then you would give it to that person and say, And then try not to let the teacher see you, right? (laughs) So, David gives the note to who? Who does he give the letter to? It's going to get to Joab. I don't want to cause y'all confusion. He gives Uriah his own letter. He puts it in his hand. The note that says, you are about to die he gets what you say? Oh, I don't know. Jamal asks, is that where we get the phrase, signing your own death warrant? <laughs> Good thought. <laughs> so Uriah gets his own death warrant. Puts it in his hand. And he's so happy. I'm going back to battle. I'm going back to battle. He gives the note to Joab. He gives it to him. Here you go. Here's the note. Now, Joab opens the note and he reads the letter. And this letter, I mean, can you imagine I'm looking you face to face in your eye, and the note is telling me, I got to make sure you die. Now, what could Joab have done? Joab have done
2: anything right at that moment? What could he have done, Hazar?
3: He could have said, our king trying to kill you. Something so simple, right, his son? He could have done the right thing. But you see, what we don't know about Joab is that Joab's jar was about empty. He had spent years with King David. He had even spent years with King Saul. He saw all that drama. He was tired of it. He wasn't playing nice no more. His jar was empty. He didn't care who died. Later on in the story, way later on, guess what happens to Joab? King David is on his deathbed. He tells Solomon, kill Joab. That's a shame, ain't it? So Joab ultimately dies. But Joab, look at that letter. He read it like he was reading, get me a bowl of cereal or something. He read that letter so smoothly, he didn't even break a face. He said, okay, okay, Uriah, go get back in line. So he told him, then he told the rest of the soldiers while we fighting, everybody stepped back. What happens when everybody steps back? Uriah is out front, right? And Uriah dies. Some of us don't have our jars left. Some of us are like Joab that We don't trust anybody anymore. We have stopped loving and caring, right? Because Joab didn't even care anymore. He stopped caring. He was going to be destructive. It didn't matter if Uriah died. He could have bailed Uriah out, but he didn't. His cup was so low. When we think about Uriah, is Uriah the victim? Is Uriah a victim? Yes, he is. I want to read this scripture with you all
1: right now. It's in our it's in our bulletin today. If you all would grab your bulletin
3: with me,
2: <coughs>
3: and we're going to look right here at
1: Second uh, Samuel chapter eleven,
3: verses fourteen through fifteen. Let's read that together. The next morning. David wrote a letter to Joab and sent it with Uriah. In the letter he wrote, put Uriah at the front of the fiercest fighting, then withdraw from him so that he is struck down and dies. I wanted you all to see the word fiercest. Do you see that? Like he just didn't put him in a little bit of fighting. He put him in the fiercest fighting. King David could choose how Uriah died. He could have gave him poison. He could have, you know, just told you, I have to stab him real quick and make it over. But he put him in the fiercest fighting. How many of y'all feel a certain kind of way about that? It's like, what? When someone is doing something so dreadful to hurt you, to destroy you, I think about it. What what did Uriah's family feel after all of this? What did his mama feel? Her son was off at war and he comes back and he's saying, don't get the real story. How many military families have not gotten a real story? What did what did his friends think about? What did his fellow soldiers who saw they saw to the step back? Remember? Joab told him to step back and they watched him die. They watched him die. So many people in that story could have did something different. But nothing different happened, did it? You know, when we're talking about betrayal, I want us to read this next scripture in John chapter 13, verse 21. Let's read this together. After saying these things, Jesus was troubled in his spirit and testified, Truly, truly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. One of you will betray me. Jesus knew ahead of time what was going to happen. Uriah didn't know, but Jesus knew ahead of time that he was going to be betrayed. And yet, he still let everything go through as it was supposed to go through. What did Christ want us to do with betrayal? What did he want us to learn about betrayal? What is the answer when you're feeling like your cup is empty and you don't have anything left to give and someone has stabbed you in the back so many times and you are broken and you don't have anything left to give. You see, the real answer to betrayal, saints, is unconditional love. Say that unconditional love. Unconditional sacrifice. Say unconditional sacrifice. Grace. Say grace. Mercy. Say mercy. Forgiveness. Say forgiveness. And I know today we're not there yet. We are not there yet. Some of you all aren't ready to forgive and be graceful and show mercy and, and show unconditional love because you still know what it's like. That knife is still in your back. So how can we get to these answers, saints? Well, you we got to come back for the rest of the Easter sermon series. <laughs> Next week, Pastor Antonio is going to be talking about Hagar. And we're going to learn a little bit more about what it means to deal with betrayal and to get the greatest comeback you've ever had. Let us pray. Gracious and holy God, we thank you that you are our God, and we thank you that you love us so much that you would sacrifice your life on the cross for each and every one of us. We pray, Holy Spirit, that even right now there are those in this room that have been betrayed They have felt lost and dejected and alone. They have felt the confusion of why would you do this to me? And we pray, Holy Spirit, that you would meet them where they are. Meet us all in our hearts, Lord, and let us know, Lord, that you have an answer for all the sins of the world, that you came, Lord, with an answer of love, grace, sacrifice, forgiveness, and hope. And we pray, Holy Spirit, that you would use us to help others. And we thank you and we honor you. In the mighty and holy name of Jesus Christ, we pray. And all God's people said, amen and amen. Say please rise to your feet as we're going to sing with the choir just a closer walk with thee today. And as that song is being sung, if you yourself would like to give your heart to Christ and dedicate your life to Christ for the very first time, we invite you to come on up. And if you would like to just have prayer so that you can uh, deal with the betrayals in your life, We would pray. Just raise a hand, and one, myself or one of the pastors or lay pastors will come by and pray with you.
0: Praise God. Praise God. Thank
3: you, Sharon. All right. Praise God. I am so glad that all of you are here at church today. We have lots happening after church. So, I'm going to kind of go stand by the front door, so when you try to sneak out, that you will have to look at me first. Because I'm going to tell you to go back to your elder deacon table and check in today is Meet Your Elder Deacon Sunday and we do invite you to come to the tables. We just want to make sure you know who your elder and deacon is and we want you to make sure your information is correct. Some of you, we might have an a old cell phone number or something like that. We might have your birthday wrong and that's why your birthday hasn't been showing up in the bulletin. So make sure we have your information correct. We also, also, also need you to take a moment to think about Your mortality. Talked about that last week, right? We have living wills, healthcare power attorney forms, the funeral, and then we have a special guest here today. Her name is Carolyn Hill. She is from EF Boyd Funeral Home. She will help you with any plans that you would like to make or any questions that you may have. Because all of us, say all of us, should have some plans, we should. We all know we're going to meet our maker, right? We all are, so please help us out. You know, Pastor Rick and Pastor Toby and, and Pastor Antonio and I, we will gladly do your funeral. Help make it easier for us by filling out the paper. Because <laughs> then we'll know what color they wanted, what songs they wanted, what you know, who they did not want to speak at the <laughs> it's, it's all right, it's all right. <laughs> So now that we've talked about your death, let's say thank God for the people who was born. Amen. Tiki Harden, hallelujah, is celebrating a birthday today uh, on the 26th. That's today, right? The 26th. The Lois Williams, praise God, is celebrating a birthday today. How old is the Lois? Is she 93? 92 years old, praise God. George Beach is celebrating a birthday on uh, Monday, praise God. And Michael White, there he is. Give away, Michael. He's celebrating a birthday, praise God. Sharon Grace. I know I saw you, Sharon. Sharon's celebrating her birthday this week. And our dancer, Kadira, is celebrating her birthday. Praise God. Now, Gwen, I heard Wendy tell you happy birthday this morning. It was Thursday. She she threw me off. I was like, is Gwen's birthday today? So happy birthday to all of our February and March babies. We we praise God for you. want to make sure you all know that... Um, we do have Life Connect classes. There are so much information out there for you. There's Bible study packets. There are, remember I told y'all about those Lent devotions from my seminary? Read them with caution. That's what I'm going to tell y'all. Seminaries sometimes try to be too inclusive. <laughs> That's what I will say. And we were reading last week and they had a reference to Allah. Y'all know that ain't us, right? <laughs> Just. Read it with caution. (laughs) I'm going to write my seminary and tell them we want the Christian-only version. We don't want the liberated version. (laughs) We believe in Jesus. (laughs) So just, if you see something that's upsetting to you, you cross that out, or just throw the packet away and get you something that you enjoy better. Amen? Yes. Yes.
1: Praise God. (laughs) Look, when can y'all recruit (laughs) it?
3: So we do have a notary here, and they are a no cost. Thank you for that service. Need to see your ID, and she will notarize your living room with your power of attorney. And some of y'all are going to tell me, but I already filled my forms out. I'm going to tell you that was 10 years ago. I have looked at some of y'all paperwork, and it is 10 years old. We need to update, okay? Update, because that person that you listed as your, as your agent may not even be available to help you right now, okay? Uh, Church Women United will be collecting for cookies. So if you all want to donate cookies this week, you can bring them up on by Tuesday. Uh, we want you to know that the prison ministry, look at that uh, announcement about prison ministry. Um, and the ushers will be having a meeting on March the 12th after worship service. Uh, This one says, uh, Sylvia wants you to know that if you are in her class, you need to pick up your lesson directly from her. Okay? Did I get everything? Thanks, (laughs) Marvin. Thank you. It was a couple more. Now I remember that paper, Marvin. Marvin Rogers wants you all to know that after the Meet Your Elder Deacon, the men will meet in the Zoom room, and Jamil Williams Daniel St. is at the hospital, is having kidney surgery, praise God. Uh, Jamil has been very private about most of his health care, and I didn't even realize it. Most of us are like in shock, like what? Jamil needed a kidney? But that's because he's so private. But family is so excited because he needed this. He had it. He, okay, so it's done. He's in recovery. Thank you, Helen. Thank you, Helen. I, when I had talked to Tina, she was still waiting. to, hear, But that was yesterday afternoon, so we didn't have any news. So praise God for Jamil's recovery. Pray for him to continue to get well, to be strong. And is um, someone else, oh, uh, Pastor Antonia did mention uh, about Mary Jane's daughter, Felicia. She had to have emergency gallbladder surgery. Uh, Saturday morning so just play, pray for Felicia she is in recovery and doing well. Yeah. <laughs> she did. She really did. Thank you, Gail, for sharing that. The community meal is Tuesday, and we do need volunteers. Gail, how will we be able to see the movie?
2: so
1: you'll let us know. Congratulations, Jasmine. Congratulations.
3: It was a bootleg. (laughs) It was a bootleg. (laughs) But the movie wasn't bootleg. (laughs) All right, you all. If if no one else has any announcements, let's all stand to receive the benediction. Oh, Darielle is talking. (laughs) And she's walking. Oh, my goodness gracious. Gracious and holy God, as we prepare to depart from this place, Lord Jesus, but never from your sight, we pray, Holy Spirit, that we can take with us all the fruit of your precious Holy Spirit, your love, your joy, your peace, your patience, your kindness, your gentleness, your faithfulness, your goodness, and your self-control, Lord. Draw us closer to you and closer to each other, and we thank you and we honor you. In the mighty and holy name of Jesus Christ, we pray. And all God's people said, amen and amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, neighbor, I'm mighty glad you came to church today.